Well, go ahead, if you would, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Over the past few weeks, we've been celebrating uh, the arrival. That's kind of what I've used in, in my study, just to kind of tie everything together, is in a theme. And we've been studying the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord of this world. And he is much more than a superhero. He was the sacrifice that was born to pay the debt of sin, our sin. And it still blows my mind to think that the God of universe, the very God of the universe, chose to come to this world in the form of a small, defenseless baby to be cared for by some of the very humans he created. I had to step out for just a moment ago, and I went down, and always, if I get a chance... I like to stick my head into the nursery. Man, they are packed to the gills. I love it. We've got Joe and Katie are back there today. We've got we've got great people. All of our families do such a good job at, at keeping the nursery. And I just think that, well, we have to have a nursery because somebody has to take care of these babies. And when you think about that, Jesus was a baby. That he needed Mary, he needed Joseph, and he needed people to take care of him. It was just amazing to think that a deity like God would come and humble himself there in the form of a baby. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the fact that nothing is impossible. Uh, we looked at the unbelief of Zechariah and Elizabeth when they were told that Elizabeth would be giving birth to a son who would be named John, who would be the forerunner of Jesus. And not only do we know that nothing is impossible, we see that when we exercise faith like Mary did, when Mary was told that she was going to give birth, that she said, okay, let's do this. She was a woman of faith. Mary was a teenage Jewish girl, probably between the ages of 14 to 16, living in a no-account town like Nazareth, who was engaged to be married to a carpenter. And he was quite older than she was. But God saw her and chose her to give birth to her long-awaited Savior. And our long-awaited Savior as well. So this morning, as we look at the next step of Jesus' birth, those who were seeking understanding about what was about to happen. I mean, let's face it. The news from Joseph's fiance that she had become pregnant through the Holy Spirit without any kind of physical interaction was a tough thing to understand. And it's still a tough thing to understand. I want you to know that, that the virgin birth has been under attack by scholars and scoffers for ages. Because if you take away the virgin birth, if you try to explain that it happened naturally, and we try to wrap our head around it so we can understand it, we have thrown out the baby with the bath water. The reason it is so important that it was a virgin birth is because A, he was fully human, B, he was fully God, and there was no sin in him. That is the significance of the virgin birth. And today's world is still trying to make sense of all that God is doing. Some of you today would love for the clear gospel message to be made clear to you. Maybe it's just you're almost there and you're ready to make a commitment, but maybe you're not. Or maybe you've been that person that has been a Christian as long as you can remember. But it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. There are days when sometimes we struggle to understand what God wants us to do in our life today. So as we look in our passage, first of all, we see from Matthew 1, 1 through 17, we see it, it's, calls it the 
ancestors of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus. This would be the, the ancestry.com tree of Jesus. And as you go through and you read those names and you see names that you remember from studying the Old Testament, some jump out at you and some of them are a little more obscure, but it's just amazing to see this is how Jesus got here. Folks, if you think the Old Testament is boring and not applicable, then you don't understand the Bible because the Bible, the Old Testament is the the coming, the, the preparing, the foresight that we need a Savior. And we see how people's lives interact until the point to where we see the thin thread that ties the Old Testament to the New Testament, which is Jesus Christ. So yeah, it's the Ancestry.com for Jesus. From Abraham, we see the purpose and the power of Jesus' birth unfolding throughout the Old Testament. So... A baby being born is usually a happy time, right? Yes? Okay, good. <laughs> and I know some of you girls are saying, nah, that's easy for a man to say. I, I Hats off to you, and I would never even venture to guess what that would be like. But uh, I do know this, is that after all of the pain is over, I, I, I see the joy on the lives of the mothers and the fathers and the grandfathers and, and, and everybody else. It's, just, it's a joyous time for a baby to be, be born. And the Internet is filled with videos of families surprising other family members with the news of the coming birth. Like, hey, we're pregnant. Sometimes they, they open a, a present and there's a sign. Or sometimes I've seen one where they put the message on a dog's collar and they send the dog into the, the soon-to-be grandparents. And, oh, they just go crazy. It's just it's funny. Sometimes they, they laugh, they cry. I saw one old lady. She fell out of the floor, out of the couch into the floor. She was just so excited that that new baby was coming. But I've often heard that, that there's been excitement levels of birth. In other words, you get real excited for the first one. You get excited about the second one. And then the third, fourth baby, if you go that far, it's just another birth. I, I talked to some of you that have some, some wisdom in years, and you tell me about the fact that you came from families that had 8, 10, and 12 children. And I'm like... Man, your mom must have been tired all the time. But back then, they had babies not only to have families, but also to work on the farm and to be able to, to do things. And so they, they were making their help is what they were doing. But uh, to, it must have been a blessing to, to live in a family. But I wonder, after child five or six, if it was just, oh, today's the day. Let's, we're going to do this, and then i got to go milk the cows by noon. I don't know. But... Uh, I've often heard that there's a different level of excitement between the first child and the additional children that are born. For the first child, one man's wife joyously announced, Honey, we're pregnant. Hello, Daddy. It was a big deal for him. Well, for the second child, his wife placed a pair of pink baby booties across his chest while he was napping. For the third child, Tim's wife walked in one day and asked, You want to look at a minivan or what? And that's how Tim knew he was going to have another baby. As I share this, some of you will remember how you broke the news to your spouse, or maybe how you received it. Uh, there are many emotions to the news, I'm having a baby. Especially when Mary says this to Joseph. Uh, I think of uh, that, that old terrible TV show, Mari, where you see the... Uh, I, I don't watch it, but the, you see the... The promos, and he, what's the famous line? Y'all shouldn't know that. But yeah, he goes, 
you are the father. And everybody's going, so I can imagine Mary popping out and telling Joseph, by the way, Mary is pregnant and you are not the father. Luckily, they didn't have Murray back then, Mari back then, whatever you call him. But uh, the fact is, is that Joseph's world was being rocked. He was engaged to this young girl. And it was a, a sure thing. I mean, it was already set. I mean, and it was a year-long process. And so to find out that his wife is now saying that she has been impregnated by God, Worse yet, through the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph was a Jewish man. He knows the scriptures. And so now he is having a crisis of belief. And so he's got to seek understanding. And that's where we pick up the story today. Look at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, again, that's very important. Don't let anybody ever try to tell you that that was not the case. While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. So we see the scriptures giving us an insight to the character of Joseph. It's one of the many reasons he was chosen to be the father that would raise our Savior, that would raise the Messiah. It says he was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Well, he was a righteous man, but I'm sure that he wanted to 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 shut this thing down as quiet as he could because, A, he didn't want the embarrassment of people finding out that his his soon-to-be wife is crazy and got pregnant and is trying to say God did it. And then the second thing is that he knew that if this were to get out, she would likely be, if not imprisoned, stoned and killed back in those days. But it says he was a righteous man. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly. Folks, do not let the size of the situation cloud your judgment of faith. Yes, Joseph has got a tough situation to figure out. And he's going to get some help here in just a second. But Joseph loved Mary, and although he didn't fully understand, he wanted to protect her from punishment and even death. You see, his understanding of the situation is what it looks like before God intervenes. And maybe you are in a situation, or you've been in a situation, or your family members are in a situation where it just does not make sense. Well, my friend, very likely God has yet to intervene, or maybe even you have yet to seek him to intervene. We are reading Joseph's first reaction to the fact that Mary is going to be chosen in this way. Our first impulse reaction when we receive bad news is not to think clear-headed and seek God. Often we react and then think. That's one thing that they, they teach us as we get older. And when you get into leadership, it's very important that you don't act the minute you think about it. Now, there are some people, you call that a gift. Oh, I'm just going to tell them what I think. I just speak my mind. They're going to know how I feel. That's not a badge of honor. Because that means usually if we're like that, we lack the control to be able to think about it for a minute. And usually, I don't know about you, but when I go off, because I am redheaded and it's true, I've got a, a short fuse and I've been 
praying through that uh, for years, and God has done a great work with that, but it's very easy just to fly off the handle. But no, sometimes we need to take a moment, we need to pause, and we need to seek God. So don't let the size of the situation you're in cloud your judgment of faith. And the second thing we see in this passage is that we need to take a moment to understand that God always, listen, God always has a plan. God always has a plan. How do you know that? By seeking him first, you can gain a very valuable perspective. A a great go-to verse for this is in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to turn over a couple pages, and if you want to underline this or or make a note and go back and read this later, Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33 says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? And what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Not only knows your needs, knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. My friend, we all have moments in our lives to where we have more bills than we have income. We all have moments in our careers where we think, is this it? We all have family members that are trying us on our last nerves. But let me tell you what, God has gone before you. He has got the perspective. And if you seek him first, he will give you and I what we need. So luckily, Joseph is going to do that. The second thing we see is that we need to seek to please God's word first. Seek to please God's word first. I'm telling you what. If you ever want to bank on something, you can bank on God's Word. Let me ask you this. This is something just for you to think about. Has there ever been a time where you have stood on God's Word and it did not eventually prove to be the right move? God's Word proves itself every day. Max Lucado, in his book, The Heart of Christmas, writes this. He says, Joseph is caught between what God says and what makes sense. Have you ever been there? Caught between what God says and what makes sense. Maybe you're in this place this Christmas season. You want to believe that God knows you. You want to believe that God cares for you. You want to believe that you're not alone in this world. You want to believe that you are following God's will for your life. But in your mind, it just does not add up. If this is you, you and Joseph have a lot in common. Let me show you this on the screen. We seek God's word first because it is always right and always on time. You say, well, I don't know where to start. My friend, Google it. Google what you're going through and say Bible verses and it will pull it up. It will direct you to God's word. Most of you have a Bible that in the back of it, you have what they call a concordance or a dictionary. You can look up a word. Maybe you're anger. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're seeking wisdom. All of these things. And it'll be there for you. Seek God's word first because it is always right and always on time. And let me tell you what about God's word. Usually... If I seek God's word first, it will keep me out of a ditch before I put myself in one. And I hope that's encouraging to you. Verse 20 says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for a child is within her, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So here he is in a dream. And he has just had in a dream something confirmed to him that was happening in real life. Now the question would be, does God still speak in dreams today? God could speak to you in a dream, but here's the difference. If God speaks to you today through a dream, is that dream the ultimate authority? No. Joseph didn't have this. We do. We have God's word. Everything filters through this. And so Joseph had this dream. And notice what he says to Joseph, just as he said to Zechariah, just as he said to Elizabeth, just as he said to Mary. Now he says it to Joseph. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I'm going to tell you, if God is going to call you to do something, it's not going to make sense. And there's going to be an element of fear. He wants you to match your faith with your fear. It says, that, you know, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Folks, the time to be afraid is not when God is giving you a mission. It's time to trust. When God is calling you to do something, it's not time for you to form a committee. It's not time for you to talk to your friends about it. It's time for you to pray and obey if God is calling you to do something. Whether it be for salvation, whether it be through service, don't be afraid is what he said to all of these biblical heroes. And God is speaking to them because of all the people in the world, he chose them to bring Jesus into this world. And God does the same thing with you and I. Now, I know some of you are saying, I am not like Mary. Well, that's fine. God has already done that once. He doesn't need to do that again. He doesn't say in his word he is going to do that again. But he does ask us. He does not ask, call us, commission us, or maybe a better word, command us to take Jesus to the world. Don't believe me? Take a moment sometime and read Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, which is the Great Commission. Just as Mary brought Jesus into the world, you and I as believers are to take Jesus to the world. I got news for you. God's plan for your life always revolves around Jesus. And God's word was the authority here. Look at verse 21. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God's word is the authority. We see in verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his what? Prophet. So this next section, verse 23, is actually written thousands of years ago in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. So we see for, for Joseph, God is bringing the scripture that Joseph would have known to his attention. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him, which means God, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, now think about this just for a second. If this would have just been a dream, if this would have just been a thing out of the air, it, Joseph probably would have had a good reason to cut and run. But when he sees, because he is a Jewish man, he is a righteous man, he is a righteous man of faith, and in his faith he knows what it says in Isaiah seven fourteen, And so now he says, oh my goodness, this was prophesied so many years ago, and now I'm a part of that. That's what gave him. 
the strength, and the courage, and that is God's word. Joseph was realizing that he was playing his part in unfolding in the scripture. And my friend, when you invite somebody to church, when you tell somebody why you have hope because of your faith, when you share with somebody how God got you through a tough situation, when you praise the Lord, where you're singing a hymn, or you're raising your hands, or whatever you're doing, when you testify for the Lord, you are doing the same thing. You are bringing Christ to the world that is around you. Joseph was realizing he was playing a part in the unfolding of Scripture, just like you and I do. Because today we await Jesus' coming, not in a manger, but as a warrior on a white horse. Next we see that when God makes his plans known, we must take action. It's one thing for God to make his plan known, but once we know, we've got to take action. That would be like if the coach is sitting on the sidelines and he calls it a play to the quarterback and says, look, this is the play we're going to run. And the quarterback goes, got you, coach. And he gets in the huddle. This is the play we're going to run. You know your position. You know your position. You got it. All right. Break on three. One, two, three. Hook. And they all get out. And they all line up and just do nothing. That would be a boring game. It would be a penalty of delay of game, delay of game, delay of game, until finally the game would be over. Folks, when God gives us the plan, we got to play. we got to execute. Verse 24, 25 says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Now that's very important because no one can go back and say, well, they kind of got the timeline wrong. No, this Jesus was nothing but all divine and all human. We will never know the full blessing of living in the will of God if we are unwilling to obey as our Lord commands us. We will never know the full blessings of living in God's will if we're unwilling to obey it. Joseph obeyed God rather than seeking the approval of others. So God made himself known to Joseph because he had a vision and a plan for him. Why has God made himself known to you? Because he has a plan for you. It may be scary. It may be hard to figure out. Or it may be crystal clear. Because if you are a believer, my friend, I guarantee you, he has a plan for you. All of us have a plan. And he makes it clear. He says his plan for all of us is to know Jesus, to know Jesus and make him known. To know Jesus and to make him known. My friend, does he have a plan for you? Do not be too lazy. Do not be scared or disobedient or miss out on the greatest journey God has offered to you. God has made himself known to others to know him. So get on board. Know him. Share him. And it may not make sense at times, but we see that God makes himself known to those who seek him. What are you seeking today?
Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this message. I thank you that, Lord, we can come and worship you today. And, Lord, my my prayer is that everyone here knows beyond a shadow of a doubt if they were to take their last breath today, that they would their next breath would be with you in eternity. And that only comes by accepting the Savior that was born of a virgin for our sin, accepting that baby, accepting Jesus as our Savior and Lord. If there's anyone that is not sure about that, may they not leave this place before they... Let me or someone they trust or someone they love know that they want to know Jesus today. I'm going to give an opportunity here in the invitation for someone to come forward. I'll be glad to pray with them. They can come to the altar. They can bring a friend, whatever it may be. But Lord, this time of invitation is time for you. It's time for you to reveal yourself and for us to obey. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?